Hi. Hi. This is Eli. Um, you're listening to my podcast uh, that I'm recording in my car while I'm driving around from job to job. Um, things that I love, things that I think about. Uh, so thanks for joining me on this adventure. Um, it's a, a wonderful challenge for me. And I feel like it's really um, bringing out some strange honesty in myself. And I'm sure that there's a lot to read in between the lines here. So let's talk about MDMA and apple pie. I think these are two very important things to me. And um, we'll see if I could tie them in together and present them in a coherent fashion. Got about 45 minutes here. Um, heading out of Palo Alto, back to the house I have to leave tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock. It's 9.30 now. I have to get home and get another snack and then go to work in the morning probably get up about four. I really got to give myself about two hours in the morning um, to get out the door. Maybe an hour and a half if I'm really pushing it, but any less than that, and I'm I'm rushing a bit, and it's always a little tricky on my, on my brain, and I think it's so important for myself. If I don't feel, if I feel rushed getting out the door and into the car on my bike, then I'm always, I don't feel... Like I did it right. And I'll usually forget something. So my grandma had this really great apple pie recipe that my mom taught to me. And it was kind of the apple pie that I always made. And I used to cook a lot with Joey. I still cook a lot, but I used to make a lot of food for Joey and cook with Joey. And what Joey liked to cook was um, drugs. And he taught me how to cook MDMA and 2CB and taught me how about LSD that we never, I never did that with him, never made it with him. Um, we did it together, but, um, and then DMT also. And I don't know how far I can go to those because those are just so dang illegal. Um, but we can talk about um, parts of the process and cooking and just kind of you know comfort food mdma is comfort food does that work is that weird uh the apple pie i think it was such a you know it is always a, a part of my um cooking and emotional state um trying to uh you know, I definitely deal with depression by cooking food and certain foods like apple pie or chocolate cake. And that was like a fun part for Joey and I to do. We lived together in Tacoma from 2006 to 2009 uh, when he earned enough money through sales of drugs to go to India for six months and 
get his teeth fixed and travel around and um, I made enough money to buy a camera and finance an art show or two and um, you know try to pretend like I can make an art career out of out of that um, and cooking was always a part of our interaction and the part of the way that we kind of bonded and the way that I think I would um, communicate with him and communicate my love to him um, was cooking food for him. He liked liver and onions, and we cooked that a couple times, but man, I still do not fucking like that. Um, that's a hard one. I don't mind liver too much, but I feel like the combo of liver and onions is pretty intense. But I, you know, I cooked it with him and I ate it with him, um, and so I'd try to, and that was kind of like that was one of his comfort foods, uh, and so, uh, and then I would try to find foods that he liked so that you know I could cook it and we could have a good time together, um, keeping the morale up in the lab, and. Um, you know, Joey died in 2014, so he's not around anymore. Um, but he's still a big part of my life and a big part of my thought process. And in a lot of ways, a big part of this podcast idea is to get some of this information um, recorded and get some of these stories out. Joey and I really both believed in stories and the myths and legends uh, specifically of the Northwest, but of ourselves, of our heroes, of our musical heroes, of our artistic heroes, of people that we really uh, loved and thought a lot about. And we liked the myths and the stories that were maybe larger than life. Uh, we did a show together called The Truths We Forgot to Lie About in 2009 uh, that was all about these legends and stories of the Northwest and characters and ideas and, and stories that we knew, you know, kind of as playground legends, even um, the connections, his connections into the music scene of the nineties and his dad and his dad's friendship with a lot of, the musicians that became big in the nineties and kind of these like familial connections into <clears throat> legends of the Northwest, whether it was musicians or serial killers or artists. Um, maybe they were uh, within pop popular culture, or maybe just, you know, legends of, our own stories and our own lives. Um, and so to me, to put this stuff down and to record this as part of this homage to Joey and part of this continuing my unpacking and understanding of my relationship with him and um, my relationship with art and my relationship with... Um, laboratory equipment and drugs and uh, 
how those all kind of tie together. I'm uh, I don't do drugs anymore. Uh, just I'm I'm sober now. Um, been sober for almost uh, almost seven years now. And, um, you know, many reasons for that, um, but I definitely watched Joey battle um, lots of addictions, opiates, heroin really being kind of at the center of that, but um, a lot of a lot of issues around drugs, and he definitely um, showed me all of the not fun sides of drugs. And uh, we found the fun sides together, too. And then he showed me um, a lot of the not fun sides. Um, so, you know, I think part of my relationship with him was around, um, you know, was cooking and, like, keeping a domestic and happy space around him. He was a very... Um, emotional person, temperamental, really fun to be around when he was happy and really hard to be around when he was grumpy. And so food can, um, I think, food helps with those grumpy people and him being one of those. Um, and he liked my cooking. So um, grandma's apple pie made in the MDMA lab Um what we're going to need is we're going to need a pie tin or a, a, a pie dish. I prefer a glass Pyrex dish, but whatever you got. Um, cast iron pan will work just fine. Um, lots of ways you can lots of ways you can cook a pie. You're going to need some apples, somewhere in the neighborhood of six to ten apples. Uh, I prefer a Braeburn or a Pink Lady. I know those are really delicious apples, and they're just delicious to eat. But I've found those just make such a sweet and wonderful pie. But um, a Granny Smith, I think, is is a more standard, a tartar apple. But, man, you can make it with any apple you got. Um and or fruit you're going to well you can you can peel the apples you ain't got to you ain't need to um i tend to peel them these days but i've definitely not peeled them um core them cut them into quarters and knock out the cores and maybe you peel them or not and then thin slice them if you thin slice them it tends to distribute the um the sugar and flour and butter better and um you can kind of get a more even cookie but you can cut them any which way you want thin slice them up and then if you're fancy you could put that into water with maybe a little bit of um, lemon juice in it, or you could just sprinkle them with lemon juice, and that will keep the apples from browning. 
I don't know if you need to keep them from browning um, because you're going to bake them in a pie. But um, if you lemon juice them, it'll keep them from browning. And the lemon flavor is kind of a nice thing. It's nice to have a little lemon flavor in there. does not hurt your pie. It enhances your delicious pie. So get your apples. Get those prepped. Got them in a bowl. And now you're going to get to your crust. And for the crust, you're going to need flour and milk and oil. Oil, I prefer a vegetable oil. But I've used all the oils and they work just fine. Olive oil is great. Um, it's kind of fancy, but um, just a regular Wesson oil, vegetable oil. It's going to be great. Whole milk, preferably. Uh, I've also used non-dairy milk. Doesn't work very well, but it works. Um, and, you know, it's been a while since I've made a non-dairy pie, and so maybe the non-dairy milks would work better, but, um, you know, it's fine. You know, I've done it with yogurt, too. Um, yogurt works great. Whatever. Put some. You gotta get some liquid. It's kind of dairy-like in there. Flour. You're gonna need um, one and seven eighths cup of flour. Um, regular white baking flour or a pastry flour works great. Whole wheat or buckwheat is always a little tricky and doesn't roll out as well, but oh dear. Oh, there. Um, wax paper. You're going to want some wax paper for this project because you're going to roll this dough out in between two pieces of wax paper, and it's pretty hard to do it without wax paper. Done it with tin foil. That will work in a pinch, but it's also hard to deal with. Um, not as clean. Saran wrap will also work, but, man, that's also really hard to use. Um, so... Milk, a quarter cup of milk, and a half a cup of oil. So you got the ingredients of your crust are one and seven-eighths cup of flour, quarter cup of milk, half a cup of oil, and a pinch of salt. You don't be, need to be shy on that pinch. So put the flour into a bowl. Um, then you're gonna put the milk and the oil, you just measure them out in the same dang measuring cup, you know, pour in the milk and then pour in the oil and then, you know, get a quarter cup and then a half cup on top of that. And then put your pinch of salt in the flour and mix those up. Dump the milk and oil in there and here's where the technique is going to come in because you're going to be making a very flaky light perfect crust this is comparative to the crust that you'll get 
if you do the frozen butter technique, if you put mix in butter and then you freeze it and then roll it out, you can do you can uh, get pretty close to that kind of flakiness because if you have those little pockets of butter, they can really like flake it out. What you're going to want to be careful of here is not mixing your flour mixture too much. You really want to like stir it wide. Don't try to mix it all in. You're going to be, it's going to be not mixed in and it's going to be a little floury around the edges and just using a fork, just kind of like wide toss it around in there and, um, What's up there, Chief? How you doing, bro? Um, mix it in there carefully, but to not do it too much. You don't want to make you don't want to make a perfect round ball. This all done mixing. You definitely don't want that. You want this like flaky mixture that you're just barely got together, crumbly mixture and then split that into half but a little less and a little more than half because you're going to do a top and a bottom so you want a little more for the bottom and now grab that out that flaky pile and then take that flaky pile and um, take that flaky pile and put it onto your wax paper. I like to take two pieces of wax paper that are about 18 inches long. You know, if you got the regular wax paper off the roll, if you have some extra wide, then you can use that. But if you have regular wax paper, then you take two pieces of 18 inch or so wax paper and then overlap them so you got a larger looking piece that lays out to be about 18 by 18 and then you pile your dough crumbles in the center and then you put two more pieces of wax paper over the top overlap so you got an 18 by 18 kind of area and then you're going to need a rolling pin or a bottle of wine or something that resembles a rolling pin and then you're going to start to work that out from the center and it's going to not, it's going to be crumbling. It's not going to be sticking together. Just trust it. Trust the, the technique here and you just work it out from the center until it starts to get flat and thin. And then you're going to want to make it big enough so that it fits inside your pie tin and with a little extra. So it goes up the edge and a little bit extra hangs over. And um, work that out flat. It's really, you're going to get it down to about an eighth an inch. It's going to be pretty thin. And um, working it from the center out and working it in an equal round technique so that it becomes a circle so you don't end up with a weird shape and have to overlap it. Though you can. You can fix it and you can mess with it, but... 
it's going to be the most flaky and perfect if you can get it to just roll out from the center in kind of a nice even rolling out from the center way. Dang, it's starting to rain a little bit here. Um, beautiful rain. So now you got it flat in between two pieces of wax paper. Take those top pieces of wax paper and peel them up. And then set them back down. You're just gonna you want to get it loose. You pull them up, pull it off, then set them right back down where they were. Then you flip the whole thing over, and now you peel off the other side of wax paper. And then the part that's down, you already peeled once, so it's gonna come off easier. And now you've got the pie crust flaying in front of you with wax paper underneath it, and you're gonna slide underneath it with your hands, and you're gonna pick it up. And you're going to slap that into your pie tin right in the center. Just You're just going to nail it, all right? And if you don't nail it, that's okay. You can fix it. But if you do nail it, it's great. If you don't nail it, it is hard to fix it because the pie crust doesn't want to move. And it's already starting to kind of stretch and relax into that pie tin. So if you can get it to kind of just slap right in the middle in the right place, that's the best. Um but if it does tear, it goes weird. You can always just like take one part off from the other and slap it over on the other side. You can you can mess with it. Um, the more you kind of work that pie crust into the tin, the denser it'll be, and the less it'll want to be flaky, and the more it'll want to be a little a little heavier. So if you can just slap it in there really carefully, and then to get the wax paper off, start peeling it from one side and pulling it up. And use a butter knife underneath, and that will help you coax it away. So you kind of lift up with one with your left hand, stick the butter knife in that crevice, and kind of start working it apart. Okay? Um, now you're peeling up that wax paper. And you got it all peeled up, and it's kind of starting to lay into the pie tin, and you can coax it into the corners a little bit by picking up the edges and letting it kind of fall, getting it centered and getting it in there. Um, and you're just going to leave it laying in there, overlapping. You don't need doesn't need to be perfect. Doesn't don't need to trim the edges yet. If you've got a bunch of excess on the edges, you can pull a little bit off, and you could mix that into your top mix if you felt like you needed it. If you'd like kind of overestimated how much you need for the bottom, you got too much. You might want to save some. You give it a try. You might like to eat it. It's delicious. Um, now, um, you're going to want to get your apple pie mixture going. And Why don't we mix... Let's mix the apples and the butter and the flour and the cinnamon and... Um, cinnamon and allspice and cloves and nutmeg together in the bowl. I will also do it just in the pie tin, but I feel like that can be, it doesn't get quite as mixed and it can kind of be a little bit, a little tricky. You can also layer it as you go and you can, that works great. Um, I'm usually, I just eyeball the amount of flour and sugar and all the nutmeg and all that, and the cinnamon and clove and allspice, but um, 
I can give you some kind of accurate measurements, um, but you can just you just have all that stuff. Um, so let's get the apples ready to receive the dry stuff. Um, get the water out of there, the lemon juice water out of there, and you got the apples in a bowl. Um, I don't think you need to dry them. I never do that, but I've heard people be doing that, but you don't need to do that. Um, now, if you want to mix to even more efficiently do this or more thoroughly mix this, if you're a little nervous about this, um, you could put the flour and the butter and the sugar and the four spices all in one bowl together. Uh, and then we can make sure we got a mix, and then we add them to the apple mixture, and then it'll all like be perfect. So let's say we do, I don't know, how about three-quarter cup of flour and the half cup of sugar. That's a lot of sugar. You could go a little less than that. You could go more if you like to party with sugar, but um, you could go less than a half a cup. Um, and depending on how sweet your apples are, um, you could do, you could even do a quarter cup and it's still going to be fucking good. Um, how about, uh, let's see, a tables, a teaspoon of cinnamon. I like cinnamon, so I'll even do a couple teaspoons, but you do a teaspoon of cinnamon and then clove. Let's do a quarter teaspoon of cloves. And same, you could do a half teaspoon of allspice and then a quarter of nutmeg. You can kind of mess around with that depending on how you like it. You could do quarter teaspoons of them all. You could get a little heavier on one. I feel like if you get too heavy with the cloves, it gets a little crazy. And nutmeg's pretty intense, but allspice is just not as intense, but it's intense. They're all fucking intense. Do a quarter teaspoon of each of those. And put those in there. Now you're just going to want to use a stick of butter. Um, you could do a stick and a half. You could do a half stick if you're feeling shy. But really, a stick of butter is a good standard measurement for anything. Um, slice it up into little slices. If you're feeling zesty, you could also quarter the stick so that, and then slice it. So you got these nice little chunks, these little like half inch by half inch by quarter inch slices. Put those in that flour mixture. Let them get all flourized so they're kind of like um, coated in flour. Um, you might want to taste one because it's delicious. And then you're going to take that whole mixture. Now you got everything all mixed together. Now you're going to mix that in with the apples and mix those all together. I usually just mix this all in the same apple bowl, but depending on how your mixing technique is going and how like you don't want to end up with like too much flour on one side or clove, too much cloves in one place. You like got cloves on the butter and then it's stuck to the butter and you just got this really clovey bite. But um, you can do it whatever you want. Uh, it's your pie. You're in charge of the pie. And you should be proud of that. 
And um, now we're going to mix those all together in the bowl. And that, you got that ready, and it's all looking great and rad. And it looks like the right size to fit in the pie because you got the right amount of apples in there. And now you put that into your pie mixture. And you kind of want to like pack it in there a little bit because all that stuff's going to shrink. And this is part of why I like to cut the apples small because if you cut the apples big, then they can kind of like interlock in a way that creates like extra dead space. Like you kind of want to get things as tight as possible. You can give it a little pressure. You can pack it down a little bit and then push it, like make it a little proud so it's sticking out. Um, it's dished out and it's really full. Um, and then you get as much apples in there as you can. But leave yourself a little room on the edge. Don't go over the lip. You want to kind of pull it in because you're still going to need to kind of get in there and make that crusty corner part of the, the, the crust of the pie, like the, the edge. Um, and so um, get your apples in there. Give smash down in there. Mound it up in the center. And you kind of eyeball and make sure your butter and your flour are all evenly distributed. And now you can roll out the last section of your um, pie crust. Make that nice and thin and flat, just like you did the bottom. And now it's a little easier to get that laid onto the top of the pie. You're not trying to get it into the dish. It's a little easier. You got a little something to aim for. You've already done it once. It's a little smaller. It's a little easier. Make sure it's big enough so it overlaps and you can tuck in those crusty corners. And then tie those all in, like do a little finger magic on those corners so that all the crusts become one. And that's where you can kind of like, I don't make it too thick and have a lot of crust in there, but you might like to have a little thick and a little crust there because you might like that stuff because it's kind of nice like fried flour is when it comes out. So um, make your little corners and then um, finger those all into shape. And then why don't you cut the pie into little cut little you know slits in there? I usually cut eight slits, four closer in and four a little further out, just also so I can kind of because that's the way I cut my pie up into eights. But you can put any kind of magic slit you want on there. You really only need the slit if somehow you got a perfect pie crust that seals all the way around and it was gonna bubble up. But the slits are nice. The slits look cool too. Then put you could put a little sugar and cinnamon on the top there. Sprinkle a little cinnamon sugar, and then that also makes it fancy. Um, and so I think we're ready to whack this in the oven. I would preheat the oven to, you know, I'd just do it to 425 to start. 425 for 5 to 10 minutes. Then turn it down to 350, 375. Um, and 
wait until it's bubbling all around the edges. And you might even notice like it bubbles on one side more or it browns a little bit. Like your oven might not be perfectly heating, right? So you can rotate it in the oven if you wanted, but it should just be sitting in there in the middle and just cook. 425 to start, drop it down to 350. Sometimes I'll just preheat it at 425, put it in there, and then just turn it down to 350. Don't open the door and just turn it down to 350. It's fine. It'll, you know. It's nice to have a little bit hot on that front end, but it'll cook also if you don't get it hot on the front end. Um, it's going to cook. And then you wait till it bubbles around the edges, which is going to be around 45 minutes or an hour, depending on how much apples you really packed in there and how much you pushed on it. Um, so you could keep an eye on it. You could set a timer. You could guess. So then you're going to want to take it out and let it set for a minute. Um, it will be best if you let it set because it's really hot. You're going to burn your lips. And everything kind of like squishing together. Really, it's best the next morning with ice cream, but um, especially if you're sad, if you have it for breakfast with ice cream. You won't feel any more sad after breakfast. Uh, maybe you'll feel the same sad. Hopefully you'll feel a little less sad, but it doesn't always fix everything. But it certainly doesn't make things worse. Um, pie for breakfast is always a helpful approach to life. Pie and ice cream for breakfast. Oh, that is like, that's, that's my love language right there. Um, so I like to make this pie. I like to make it for Joey. Um, you know, Joey was just such an unusual character. Uh, he was so brilliant. Such an amazing scientist. Didn't study science in school. Went to high school and learned about science and figured out that he wanted to make drugs in high school and thought, you know, I want to make, he wanted to make LSD because the good LSD that had been made all stopped being made in the late 90s when one of the main LSD manufacturers got busted. His little underground bunker got busted. And so a lot of the good LSD disappeared off the market and kind of made this sad moment where, to me, it felt like a lot of the bad drugs became more available. Um, and it was kind of a sad time for the youth because you couldn't get LSD, but you could get heroin and methamphetamines. And... I think maybe that um, acid can be a little better for your mind and body. Uh, it certainly can be bad for you. And generally, the urge to redose is less with LSD. And introspection is a little higher um, that you might have a little bit more of a, a a better time, maybe. You might have a fucking terrible time. Um, and you shouldn't do those drugs. But um, if you do heroin, I mean, sure, you're going to feel great, but you're probably also going to feel really crappy at the end, and then you're also going to have an extreme urge to redo redose. 
Same with methamphetamines. Generally, the urge to redose is super strong. And uh, with acid, man, nothing like enormous, powerful acid trip doesn't is just doesn't make you want to do that again right away. It certainly can, and once you kind of fire up that addict in yourself, um, it's hard to not. It's hard to resist that, and you know. Joey proved time and time again that he could take any drug that normal people were good at, liked, and did normally, and he could abuse it. So, um, but he wanted, um, you know, in his teen years, had this vision of like being able to make good drugs available for cheap to to people, and so started pursuing um, making this stuff, and he was. Also, growing weed in his crazy closet in Seattle. He had this like weird, well, not even a closet, his weird wall behind a dresser that he built. He had like super secret little setup um, and also a lab in there and um, was starting to kind of experiment with making these psychedelic and psychotropic drugs. And... Um, so he did an apprenticeship with a chemist in Seattle kind of in lieu of going to college he befriended this chemist and the chemist saw the potential in Joey and his magic abilities and So he took him as under his wing, and, and I'm sure this was like a very dangerous and illegal move this guy did. He was a professor at a big college in Washington State, in, in Seattle, and took Joey under his wing and um, taught him a lot of these techniques and brought him into the circle of knowledge about um, making making these drugs. And so... Then Joey had got this knowledge, and then through reading and studying books like PCAL and TCAL and um, communications with different chemists, um, I think he re reached out to Alexander Shulgin, had some conversations with him, and was able to start designing really you know high tech methods um, of refining and producing these chemicals. Um, in, you know, kind of backwards, backwards ways with very basic um, tools and having to do it, you know, very cheaply in your closet and not be able to buy all the nice stuff to do it, which is part of how we became um, linked in... Um, making i i was able to make glass and that was you know in some ways part of my original impetus to learn glass was to be able to make a large vessel for joey because if he was going to buy a large um Erlenmeyer flask or boiling flask then potentially you know if you're buying a 2000 or 5000 milliliter vessel as a 
weird teenager in Seattle, you might be raising red flags. And he was trying to keep um, off the radar. And so uh, that was part of why I was making glass and part of my... Um, you know, I think I also had this thought that if I was able to get some technique and some knowledge and start learning also about the chemistry of glass, that I could start to bring Joey into that and he could help me with the chemistry of glass. And then that would also in turn kind of get him sucked into the difficulty and beauty of making glass chemically. Uh, and so there's a lot of conversations around chemistry and a lot of kind of moving in that direction but um you know he he died before we could really open up that world um so he did this apprenticeship and um learned how to make these chemicals and then i was learning how to make the glass and <clears throat> we were starting to um, get more serious about this. And he was like, he was serious about this process and building his own um, clientele also. And also um, growing weed in different ways too, in other secret ways. He had lots of secrets. Um, and... Then he got uh, he got busted um, because of a really really crazy circumstance, which we'll get into. Um, and so we cut off contact for a while. We just we went um, no communication as uh, we had one conversation about it and decided to like not be in communication so that he could deal with the legal situation and not and I wouldn't be brought into it. I'm sure there was some, you know, I'm sure I've got an FBI file that they, they were interested in who the fuck this guy was that was communicating with Joey but we would, we were careful about burner using burner phones and um, not being really linked um, but we were also young and told both of us and um So then um, we did, Joey, um, we came back to it all in 2006 once Joey was almost through drug court and through dealing with his legals um, once we were, um, once he was all through all that. Then we decided it was a good idea to have a drug lab again in our basement. So um, we did that. Um, and that's when the apple pie and the food really became more serious, too, because we were actually living together. And, um, you know, we were each other's domestic partners in a lot of ways and spending a lot of time together hanging out making food and um being weird being weird friends together so i think that kind of starts to be that that gives you the apple pie recipe and it starts to 
um, get into this idea of Joey and um, what um, what we were up to and what we weren't up to, how smart we weren't. So, um, I don't know. Is this any good? Is this working? Um, I hope that you're enjoying listening to this. Um, I'm enjoying talking. It's a little crazy, but um, it's nice to have company on these long drives. I'm going to go. I made some lobster and clam pasta out of lobsters and clams I made for the week on the weekend. And I'm going to go eat that pasta. I made chicken soup also this morning, but I had that for lunch and I'm going to save that for lunch tomorrow. So, um, I'd love to talk to you about making soup and how to make different kinds of soup and why soups are great. Um, so maybe we can have a conversation about that later if you're into soup. Um, and if not, well, you can still listen. It's okay. So thanks for joining me here on this adventure. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So have a good day. Um, Love you lots. This is the end of the message. Bye for now.